This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vaches? I don't have to show you any stinking vaches! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm going to start off a show with a riddle. Keep the, keep the music going, because I'll answer the riddle after we get uh, all the show particulars out there to you, as our, is, is our tradition. And then we'll get the flip around going. Here is the riddle. Who said the following? Our aim in contemplating the use of force following the use of chemical weapons in August of 2013 was not to intervene in the Civil War, not to become involved in the combat between Assad and the opposition, but to deal with the threat of chemical weapons by virtue of the diplomacy that we did with Russia and with the Security Council. We were able to get the Syrian government to voluntarily and verifiably give up its chemical weapons stockpiles. Who said that? Now, of course, we all know it was an an out-and-out lie. (laughs) It never happened because the stockpiles were used. But if you were going to guess which Obama administration official said that, who would it be? The answer coming up after I tell you how to get in touch with the Chris Salcedo Show. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. Catch this show live on theblaze.com slash radio on not one, but two smartphone apps, the Blaze Radio smartphone app or the iHeartRadio app, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher available for you for on-demand listening. If you miss any portion of this program, it's real easy. Just go back and, oh, let me re-listen. Oh, and if it's really particularly informative, you can, you know, share it with somebody else you know, know, particularly a clueless liberal who would have no idea about what I just told you, that the Obama administration had guaranteed to us that there were no more chemical weapons left in um, in Syria. How'd that all work out? Uh, go to the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. Type in the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook. You'll find us at Chris Salcedo TX on Twitter. And then, of course, the Blaze.com channels section. And make sure you find the Chris Salcedo Show there. So uh, which uh, Obamaite, you know... It should be no surprise to you that it was a lie because that's all these people do inside of Team Obama was lie. Well, the individual responsible for that utterance was uh, none other than Dirty Rice. Dirty Rice said that just this last January on NPR. You can find uh, the recollection of this in the Weekly Standard. Again, Just in January, before 
her team left office, she assured the American people, hey, Team Obama did its job, did its work. No chemical weapons in Syria. (laughs) Which turned out to be, like everything else in the Obama administration, a big fat lie. And of course, people paying with their lives for it. That's just par for the course when you elect leftists. You know, I... If I can be complete, before we get into the flip around, if I can be completely honest, I've been getting pushback from a lot of you on Twitter and on email and on Facebook saying, come on, it's it's over. Quit blaming Obama for stuff. It's over. To which I said, well, folks, I'm sorry. It's It's far from over because we are going to be dealing with the fallout, the ramifications of electing an extremist left winger like Barack Obama for years. We're going to be, there's going to be a lot, there's a, there's a price to be paid for having an anti-American leftist like resident Obama as occupier of the Oval Office for eight years. And we're going to be paying for it. So just, you know, whether I tell you it was Obama or not, um, shouldn't really matter. But we have to understand how we got to where we are. I think that's fundamental into understanding how we don't ever do this again. All right, let's do the flip around, shall we? Uh, We start off. And this is just the order that it pops up on my little remote here. Not in any order of preference, certainly, as we start off with the leader of the basket of bias, CNN. Doing what they're doing that they have influence with Assad and they have to use it. If they were witting or complicit, then it was the time for them to have done it. Now they have to do it. They are a real player, uh, but they need an effect to begin to shape the outcome. And I think we should be ready to work to try to shape an outcome to stop this tragedy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, CNN, of course, talking about the political blowback. Uh, I, I believe he was making reference this uh, who is this guy? Ambassador? Oh, it's Tom Pickering. Couldn't recognize him. He's in a really small box, and I can't really see his face. Ambassador Tom Pickering is talking with um, CNN right now, and he's talking about uh, those who now have to be responsible actors. I have got some audio for you guys from Ambassador Nikki Haley. I can't remember the last time I heard an ambassador speak the way she does. I mean, she really let it fly. And not only at Bashar al-Assad, not only at Iran, not only at Russia, but at the U.N. itself. It was um, it was something to behold. I can hardly wait to play it for you. Okay, up next, what's Fox News talking about as if I needed to guess? way to get some of these Syrian people away from these bombs that are going to fall on them, at least conventional bombs again in artillery, and we can be able to protect them with international forces to do something. I, think, I do think that's something we should worth, it's worth doing. General Jack Keane, uh, well plugged in, and thank you for the info. Appreciate it. That's Chef Smith talking with the general, which, by the way, we have some more sound bites from him. There was uh, stuff early this morning that he was reacting to after the sun came up and saw the damage that was done by our 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles that rained down on one air base, the air base that the Trump administration informed us was the base that launched this attack. And with careful attention not to, to strike the repository where all the chemical weapons were housed, not wanting to get those airborne because perhaps uh, U.S. officials worried that the incendiary 
explosion inside of our Tomahawk cruise missiles would not have been sufficiently hot enough to burn off the toxins inside of what they suspect are sarin gas and other chemical weapons. All right, so that's uh, that was Fox News, and here comes MSNBS. An attempt to cover up uh, political problems and power struggles at home and domestic, uh, President Trump's own uh, domestic concerns. That is a condemnation, but it is a fairly weak one. Uh, there was, there's no indication that uh, the Syrian military plans to retaliate. Uh, there are hundreds of American troops in Syria. No talk of any potential strikes against them. So when you look at the Syrian reaction, they seem to be grumbling about it, but not intending to do anything. Yeah, and I, well, that as you guys can tell, the the, the fact that we have launched. An attack on Syria, and what I thought was a rather measured attack. I think we brought this up yesterday. I would have favored wiping out all of Assad's air bases simultaneously. Could have done it in one night uh, instead of just the one that launched the chemical attack. Because that would have forced Vladimir Putin to become Bashar al-Assad's air force. That would have forced Russia to commit more aircraft to Syria at great expense to defend Bashar al-Assad, their, their boy. And I, uh, and that would have been, to defend them against, you know, ISIS and the rebels, which are now turning out to be more of the same, it seems, since we frittered away our opportunity to actually back up the opposition when we knew who they were. Uh, Fox Business is doing this. The rest of the job. I mean, that's quite possible that the United States will decide, well, the Syrians have tried to defy us by saying we can still take off, we can still use our planes, we can still bomb with chemical weapons or not. We don't know what it's going to be. But certainly the United States has the option of going back and having another sortie and doing the rest of the job to that Air Force base. Wow, talk about uh, uh, fortuitous tune-in. Uh, there, there it is. And that, that's just what I was just talking about. Now, I, uh, I am not being critical of the administration. I don't want anybody to get me wrong. I think this was surgical. This was, um, how do we say, proportioned response. And, uh, not, not an overwhelming response by any means, but it was just on the edge of being just proportional. I, I think that there was a lot more leeway to do a lot more last night, but I think the message has been sent. And we will go over the several messages that have been sent to, as the program unfolds today here, folks, on the Chris Salcedo Show. And your feedback, what do you guys think? Did it go too far? Did it go far enough? Are you like Rand Paul, who allege that we're in war now? Um, I like Senator Paul. I respect Senator Paul. I agree with him on a lot of things. On this, I don't. And I will articulate why on the other side of the break and take your calls it's the chris salcedo show on the blaze be right back keep up with the chris salcedo show on facebook and on twitter at chris salcedo tx just another way to stay in touch with chris on the blaze radio network Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. 
To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Right, you could go so far as to say this was not just an airstrike, or not an airstrike, cruise missile strike on the Syrian regime, but on the Iranian regime, specifically their terror network, because this base is known to have been used by Hezbollah, a terrorist group that killed more Americans than any other terrorist group up until 9-11 and is likely to kill Americans again. So it was a bonus. It was a bonus airstrike, or I'm sorry, a missile strike. We not only took out uh, a thug dictator's, one of his airstrips, and punished him finally for what all of the war crimes he's been doing, because Obama couldn't be bothered to lift a finger to do that. But we also hit Hezbollah. We also hit Iran right in the butt, which was nice, which is, which is a good thing. Uh, 888-900-3393, to, uh, well, I'm thinking it's sunshiny this time of year in Florida. Well, it's, it's sunshiny most of the time in Florida. Jamie, welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. What say you? I'm confused. Maybe you can explain this to me. I guess it's kind of like that new math. If Bush was in office for eight years, and everything was his fault, and then Obama's in office for eight years, and everything is still Bush's fault, at what point is Obama responsible for the disaster well, look, uh, Jamie, first off, I, I have to be clear when well, I, they, he's got me doing it. Let me be clear. Um, I, I have to be clear about who was the one sending me these these types of emails or, or text messages. It's folks from our side. It's conservatives who were really angry at Obama for blaming Bush for so many years after he took office saying, well, you know, Trump's put his big boy pants on and now, uh, you know, take responsibility, you know? So those are the folks who are doing that. The, the, the problem I have is that if you stop focusing on how we got here, you're doomed to make the same mistakes again, which is we should never be tempted to elect anybody who sounds or has the same ideals as Barack Obama ever again. I mean, Jamie, think about this. Barack Obama saw people uh, writhing on the ground, foaming at the mouth, uh, being uh, being slaughtered by chemical weapons and by conventional weapons by Bashar al-Assad. And the cold, calculating uh, politician that Barack Obama was didn't lift a finger, wasn't moved at all. It took Donald Trump a day to change his position after seeing what many of us consider not to only be a violation of international law and, hu- and, and human rights, but also just a step too far, and then he acted. It's a testament to the kind of human being that Donald Trump is and how much of not a human being Barack Obama is. I realize that, and uh, President Trump actually said something the other day. You know, Obama created this mess. But he's going to fix it. It's time for him to be responsible for it. Obama just wanted to blame everybody else. So that's what you know. What Jamie Obama takes responsible for responsibility for anything is during that two and a half minutes it took to swarm 
to swear Trump into office. That's all Obama's responsible for. Yeah, I hear, I, I hear that. And you know what? Also, Jamie, you can't forget the ideological component here because typically uh, you, you have liberals probably in your life and you know how they are. They never take responsibility for what they do. It's always somebody else's fault, never I their know, fault. Always a victim. Yeah, always, always a, victim. a victim, that kind of thing. You're absolutely right. So there's also an ideological component. And of course, Trump is a, di- he, now I'm not, he's not a conservative, but he's one of these guys who, you know, who has risen and fallen, who has had it all, lost it all, and made it all back again. Just one of these go-getter, can-do type attitude guys, and that wasn't Obama. Yeah? All right. Well, Jamie, have a great weekend. I appreciate the call. You know, folks, I, I got to tell you, I was, I knew th- something was up when we heard this from the president yesterday. That attack on children yesterday had a big impact on me. Big impact. And I will tell you, it's already happened that my attitude toward Syria and Assad has changed very much. When you kill innocent children, innocent babies, that crosses many, many lines beyond the red line, many, many lines. Fox News is reporting right now that Syrian warplanes have begun taking off from the base, allegedly, that was hit. These are activists on the ground. We don't know if it's true. But if they are taking off, it's, that's their prerogative. Just don't be dropping any chemical weapons on anybody and you'll be fine. Uh, I highly doubt it. Uh, all of the tactical information that I've been seeing uh, from the reaction to this strike last night has been, it was a pretty thorough job. I mean, 59 Tomahawks precisely guided within, what, three feet? I've heard some reporting. Three feet from target because of gps targeting it's uh i I highly doubt we left a a runway intact but uh, i mean who knows Uh, repairing a runway is relatively easy with enough enough asphalt quickly could be done i'm not sure how many planes were spared i heard 20 planes got damaged or taken out so at any rate uh, take that worth a grain of salt i can't confirm any of that folks but uh that is allegedly, according to Fox News, what's going on. Now, I told you about Nikki Haley and what she had to say uh, at the United Nations. By the way, we're going to talk to Congressman Michael McCall. Uh, Senator Cornyn was slated to be in today to talk about Gorsuch. We weren't expecting. We weren't expecting this, this quick of an evaluation and attack from from. From President Trump. And on, on that score, can I, let me just tell you, I was sitting in my, in my living room. You guys know I'm a gamer, so I was, uh, what was I playing? I was playing, well, I could have been Madden. Um, I was playing something. That's how I, un, I unwind at the end of the day. I, I play a video game or two. Um, anyway, I, so I'm on there and I see my phone light up with, a, with an alert that we'd attacked Syria. And I was like, wow, what, four... A little over 48 hours and boom. And I was like, wow, that was fast. And, and then I got to thinking. I said, you know, was that fast? Was, was that fast or was that the way it was supposed to be? Because there, there was a day when we had responsible individuals in the White House. Men. And Ronald Reagan, of course, springs to mind. 
And uh, I told you guys about this scenario yesterday where Muammar Gaddafi found out the hard way that it's not really good to go up against the United States and, and kill our citizens. So I was like, wow, look how conditioned we have become to to the likes of Obama. Because what did Obama do? Every single time a despot, a thug, or a dictator had undertaken deplorable acts, Barack Obama set out to lie to the American people, to con the American people, and to tell us that it was no big deal. Hell, whenever we suffered terrorist attacks on our soil, Barack Obama was up there saying, let me be clear, this is no big deal. And then now we have a president, an actual president, who says, yeah, it's a big deal. And the United States of America is going to undertake its responsibility, and we're going to act. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. So what do you think? Uh, do we do enough? Uh, was it too strong? Are you like Rand Paul thinking that we're at war? I, I know there are some who say, look, you're dropping bombs, you're at war. Did we go to war when Reagan hit Muammar Gaddafi, killing his daughter, when, he's, when Gaddafi stepped out of line? Were we at war when Clinton bombed an aspirin factory in the Sudan. Did we go to the war with Sudan? No. You know, the engagement of the so-called Gulf War One, which was really just a, an, a, an engagement, the, the war itself didn't last very long, remember? It was January 16th and 17th it was launched, and then by February the, the last week of February, all of Saddam Hussein's assets were completely destroyed and driven out of Kuwait. Done. Over. Now, there was criticism of, of George H.W. Bush. They didn't finish the job. Didn't get rid of Saddam Hussein then. And I've been one of those critics. But who would have stepped forward at that time to fill that void? Well, it would have been the Iranians. And that was something that George H.W. Bush didn't want to do. Didn't want to empower the Iranians. As a matter of fact, Saddam Hussein, for as despicable and deplorable as he was, he was a hedge against the Iranians. He was Sunni. And he was a big problem for the Shia Iranians. And America liked it that way. So this is why I was so hesitant yesterday to go down this road of regime change because hell look who's waiting in the wings instead of Bashar al-Assad at least with Assad we have some political leverage with the Russians with the Iranians uh you get ISIS in there they don't give a damn who they kill they just kill 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 you know and what do they care about infrastructure they didn't pay for it you know they they just want to bring about the caliphate right look at how they've handled their 
their victory over Obama. You know, they're not protecting territory. They're not, uh, and I know they started issuing documentation and all that kind of stuff and birth certificates and all that garbage. But still, I just think, by and large, this was an appropriate response. And with all due respect to Senator Paul, I, I do not think we're at war. Citing the, you know, past engagements. Sometimes despots and bad actors need to be put in check. Sun Tzu, the art of war author, and I'm paraphrasing, there is a, there is an axiom that says, don't go to war unless you can win. Don't go to war unless you can win. The Russians don't want war with us. Syrians really don't want war with us. Neither did the Chinese, to be quite frank. Their economies are fragile enough. Uh, and, well, with China, they're dependent on the United States, economically speaking. With Russia, they can't afford a sustained war with the United States. They can, they can be a general pain in our butts. Folks, they don't want war. And I'll, I'll get to that coming up. But again, I, I am not trying to be critical of Rand Paul. I understand where he derives his thought pattern from. We just disagree. We are not at war. The United States has provided a valuable check that a superpower needs to provide, which is to keep despots, dictators, and bad actors in check. Nikki Haley, uh, doing a fantastic job at the United Nations and speaking like an, no ambassador I've heard in recent memory. Of course, you know, look who we've had. Leftists up there uh, glad-handing with anti-American, anti-Jew folks in the uh, United Nations. Anyway, Nikki Haley, with the Russian ambassador sitting nearly, I mean, a couple of chairs down, did this today. The United States will not stand by when chemical weapons are used. It is in our vital national security interest to prevent the spread and use of chemical weapons. Our military destroyed the airfield from which this week's chemical strike took place. We were fully justified in doing so. The moral stain of the Assad regime could no longer go unanswered. His crimes against humanity could no longer be met with empty words. It was time to say enough, but not only say it, it was time to act. Bashar al-Assad must never use chemical weapons again. Well, and, and there you go. And now there's been a credible use of force that says, hey, you uh, might want to change that calculation. You might want to change your calculation because it's going to cost you. Uh, you know, look, many of you might think that Bashar al-Assad has money coming out of his ears, and maybe personally he does, but it takes an awful lot of coin to rebuild an airbase. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And then replace the reputed 20 aircraft that were taken out. I mean, now, now, now Russia, Vladimir Putin's sitting there. Hey, we, we've got a, we've got a sale on airplanes. <laughs> so Russia's going to make some dough, right? As much as Assad can afford. But, if Assad wants to continue to use his toys for bad things, we need to break his toys. And then pretty soon he's going to run out of money. And pretty soon he's going to want to worry about keeping his regime intact. 
and defending his own ruthless rule so he can continue to eat well and live off of his people's backs. So then he'll stop. Once, once the child is made to pay for his mistakes, once he's spanked, if I can dumb this down for you liberals out there. Barack Obama didn't see it that way. Barack Obama said, well, let me be clear. I see an atrocity. Uh, let's negotiate. And what, what his negotiation was was a, a bunch of BS. Let me be clear. I'm just going to lie to the American people and tell them it's taken care of. <laughs> and, of course, it's, it's only funny right up to the point where people are dying and children are gasping for air and foaming at the mouth because they've been poisoned by what some are saying are sarin gas or some chemical substance. And that's, that is the cautionary tale for electing Democrats. They look at it as their job to lie to the American people, to turn the government on the American people, not to uh, stand up for America's friends and allies and for America abroad and have our assets turned outward to protect us. Mr. Obama turned our assets inward to attack us, we the people those with whom he politically disagreed. Ambassador Haley was not done. Here she calls out Iran, and she calls out Russia in their roles for gassing children. Now, while the Syrian regime is responsible for the chemical weapons attack, it is not the only guilty party. The Iranian government bears a heavy responsibility. It has propped up and shielded Syria's brutal dictator for years. Iran continues to play a role in the bloodshed in Syria. The Russian government also bears considerable responsibility. Every time Assad has crossed the line of human decency, Russia has stood beside him. We had hoped the Security Council would move forward, but Russia made it known, as it has done seven times before, that it would use its veto once again, covering up for the Assad regime. Now, I said this yesterday, and I think it bears repeating that the sight of children gasping for air with foam coming out of the mouth, dead, innocent dead civilians, Vladimir Putin sees dollar signs when that happens. Vladimir Putin says, ah, making money, making money. Uh, there is no, he's kind of, Putin's kind of like Obama. There, there is no imagery that would prompt his conscience. There is no level of depravity that would prompt his conscience. Maybe if it was done to Russians. Maybe if Russians were laying dead in the streets, gasping for air, Vladimir Putin would care. And, and then only because of his... Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Because I think, I think Vladimir Putin legitimately loves his country, which was more than you could say about Obama. But at any rate, Ambassador Haley, uh, again, I think you're barking up the wrong tree if you're looking for responsibility coming from the left-wingers in the Kremlin. Further delay by compromising with Russia for a watered-down resolution would have only strengthened Assad. Strengthening Assad will only lead to more murders. We were not going to allow that. That's uh, we as in the United States, not the United Nations. United Nations couldn't care less. Ambassador Nikki Haley then called out the U.N. 
and then Russia, and then warned the Syrians. In case you thought this was over. Russia is supposed to be a guarantor of the removal of chemical weapons from Syria. <laughs> right. It's, they had uh, Susan Rice going live for them and Barack Obama live for them. Now, I, I will leave, I will leave the, the possibility open that, that Obama and Rice trusted Russia. It's, it's possible that Barack Obama looked into Vladimir Putin's eyes and I trust you. When you say you got rid of the weapons of mass destruction, I, I trust you. And you guaranteed me and you're a, you're a good guy, Vladimir Putin. I, I'll leave room for that. Think about that. Russia is supposed to have removed all the chemical weapons from Syria. But obviously that has not happened as innocent Syrians continue to be murdered in chemical attacks. Let's think about the possible reasons for Russia's failure. <laughs> and this is when it gets good. I'll get this on the other side of the break, folks. The, Nikki Haley, when we come back, listing the possible reasons why Russia failed. You're going to love this. It's all coming up in the Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Broadcasting with Latin flair. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze Radio Network. Let's think about the possible reasons for Russia's failure. It could be that Russia is knowingly allowing chemical weapons to remain in Syria. Mm -hmm. It could be that Russia has been incompetent in its <laughs> efforts to remove the chemical weapons. True. Or it could be that the Assad regime is playing the Russians for fools. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard an ambassador speak like this? In an awful long time? I, I think not. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Chris Salcedo Show. That's Ambassador Nikki Haley, the United Nations, giving, uh, giving other Russians a bit of a well-deserved public embarrassment. Telling them that there are no chemical weapons, all the while stockpiling them on their bases. The world is waiting for the Russian government to act responsibly in Syria. The world is waiting for Russia to reconsider its misplaced alliance with Bashar Assad. Well, the world's going to be waiting an awful long time because Vladimir Putin doesn't care about dead children in the streets. All he cares about is dollar signs. The United States will no longer wait for Assad to use chemical weapons without any consequences. Those days are over. Yes, those days are over. That went out with President Obama. There was, remember, you folks, you got to remember, and I, I know I harp on him a lot because, well, he deserves it. Uh, resident Obama, there was no atrocity that could have been done by a despot or a dictator or a radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorist that Mr. Obama would have reacted to or would have responded to. Because, see, in Obama's world, it was always America's fault are over. We expect the Syrian regime and its allies to take the UN political process seriously, something they have not done up until this point. We expect Russia and Iran to hold their ally accountable and abide by the terms of the ceasefire. We expect this council to speak loudly and forcefully when the regime or its allies undermine the political process and countless of our own resolutions. 
The United States took a very measured step last night. We are prepared to do more. Ooh. Yeah, I think measured is a an apt description of what took place last night. So, and the United States is poised to do more. There is reporting out there that Russian ships are steaming toward where our vessels had launched those missiles. Okay. I I don't look at this as any anything that is going to be much to worry about, but you know, it's 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 being reported out there, so I wanted folks to know. Uh also, uh, Syrians launching aircraft, it could be like I said, they ha- they have to project they're still in control, they're still in power. But I think they realize who's really calling the shots at this point, at least as far as the use of chemical weapons is concerned. Folks, I can't let this go without a mention in the first hour of the program. Neil Gorsuch has assumed his post as the next Supreme Court justice, replacing uh, our departed Antonin Scalia. The vote was a bipartisan 54 plus vote 54 to 45 for neil gorsuch he now sits on the high court and you know we were going to talk about going nuclear and all this kind of stuff today with senator cornyn but instead we're talking about national security we're talking about america's airstrikes on syria and michael mccall chairman of the house homeland homeland security committee is in next to help us out with those duties It's all coming up, Hour 2 of the Chris Salcedo Show, here on the Blaze Radio Network. Stick with me. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is the Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself. To ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches? I don't have to show you any stinking batches! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, I think it was incredibly successful. I'm proud of our president. And I think, you know, the happiest Americans around the world today, uh, with the exception of those Navy sailors who got to fire those missiles, (laughs) are our diplomats. Uh, You know, for the last eight years, they've had a few carrots and no sticks because in negotiation after negotiation, we pulled the most powerful military in the world off the table before they even walked in the room. So from North Korea to Pakistan to Libya, our diplomats are walking into those negotiations now with a little more swagger uh, and knowing that the U.S. military hasn't been neutered that's standing behind them. Colonel Waltz on Fox News earlier this morning, and I wholeheartedly agree that this use of force gave our diplomatic operatives a heck of a lot more breathing room because now there is the credible use of force on the table in the last eight years. It hadn't been there. Congressman Michael McCall from the great uh, state of Texas, the 10th district, joining me on the phone right now. Congressman, the author of Failures of Imagination, the Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. Sir, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Okay, let's talk about uh, your reaction to these strikes last night. We took out one air base. Uh, general Jack Keane was was more in favor, and I'm kind of with the general taking them all out so that no more chemical attacks could be launched from the air. What do you think? Well, I think the president, uh, we saw a commander in chief that uh, will use military force when appropriate. 
And I think in this case, you know, crossing the red line, using chemical weapons against civilians in a hospital, including children, crossed that red line. We saw under the Obama administration uh, no appetite uh, to uh, have consequences to any of this. Uh, And for the last four and a half years, we've seen Syria and Iraq unravel before our eyes and create ISIS and a refugee problem. Uh, And now I think we have a president that uh, is willing to stand up to aggression. And I think, you know, to the uh, point that was made earlier, this will have a direct impact on these other countries as well. And it will, this hard power helps the soft power aspect. um, As we look at countries like Libya, as we look at Iran, uh, China, uh, and Russia, I think it was, um, uh, I, I commend the president for, for taking action. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it says a lot about the early days of the Trump administration. It also is a reflection on Barack Obama that there, there, there really was no level of depravity that would have ever prompted Barack Obama to act. I mean, the, 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 these and, and Donald Trump came out in the Rose Garden, King Abdullah by his side and, and said, I was I was moved. It was seeing children uh, being mm-hmm. attacked in such a callous manner. And then you, mm-hmm. you contrast that with the cold, unfeeling, uh, uh, not wanting to lift a finger aspect of the Obama administration. It is a sharp contrast, yes? Well, it is. I, I think, again, I've, I've watched uh, this part of the world, this region, uh, unravel. And I saw, I've see, saw the growth of the caliphate uh, when they moved from Raqqa into Mosul, into Iraq. And then and the president, Obama, did absolutely nothing. Uh, to stop it, and it just strengthened. And with that, the external operations into the homeland became more dangerous. Now, I think you're seeing a president that's more decisive, uh, that was not going to stand back and watch this atrocity happen without consequences. And he's also dealing with Assad. Assad has been really at the heart of the problem in Syria for the last four and a half years, causing the civil war, which has led to the formation of ISIS, uh, and this whole refugee crisis that we've been in, uh, I think we've got a, an opportunity, quite frankly, Chris, to to finally have leadership to resolve this this problem in this part of the world. Congressman Michael McCall, my guest right now, uh, Congressman of the tenth congressional district here in the great state of Texas. Also, he is chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security. Let me play a soundbite from General Jack Keane uh, mm-hmm. talking about how the Russians did not employ their sophisticated. Uh, anti-aircraft systems, uh, even after they were tipped off about a half an hour before these cruise missiles started mm-hmm. raining down on Syria. Listen to this discussion mm-hmm. between Bill Hemmer and, and the general, and I want to get you to comment. There's a report mm-hmm. that Russia's state-of-the-art air defense system was not employed when we fired Tomahawk missiles. If that is true, what would that suggest? Well, certainly the Russians got warning. This is not the first time they received a warning from us. When we conducted airstrikes in and around Aleppo going after an Al-Qaeda affiliate, we would give them a heads up to that. That's what was worked out so that we can deconflict our, our operations. The Russians do not want to get in a fight with the United States. That is for certain. And and they had they never, in my judgment, entertained the thought of interfering with this attack whatsoever. So a, a lot of uh, liberals had cautioned that we risked war with Russia. And I had said this just yesterday. There's no way that Russia wants to tangle with the United States. There'll be a, a pain in our butt, but they don't want to tangle mm-hmm. with us. Do you agree with the general? No, I uh, completely agree. Jack King's a, a smart guy. And, you know, he's right. Uh, the Russians don't want that 
provocation uh, with us. They did condemn it, but they're they're not going to uh, stick their neck out for Assad right now. Uh, I think they realize Assad's a liability um, and a gross miscalculation and error on Assad's part to hit a civilian hospital. And the blowback has been uh, resounding uh, with our allies uh, across the world against what he did. And so the last thing the Russians want to do is provoke a, an armed military conflict with us. If anything, I would hope the Russians would work with us to negotiate a removal of power from Assad out of Syria. That would be the first step uh, towards, I think, resolving this crisis. Congress is is dealing with Russia's influence on our elections and now the growing controversy surrounding the former administration and what many believe is the illegal unmasking of American citizens against their civil rights mm-hmm. and civil liberties. I want to read something mm-hmm. to you, Congressman. Mm-hmm. This is a quote from a former Obama administration official, and it, re- and it pertains to Syria. Our aim in contemplating the use of force following the use of chemical weapons in August of 2013 was not to intervene in the civil war, not to become involved in the combat between Assad and the opposition, but to deal with the threat of chemical weapons by virtue of diplomacy that we did with Russia and with the Security Council. We were able to get the Syrian government to voluntarily and verifiably give up its chemical weapons stockpile. Now, you and I both know by virtue of the fact that there was a chemical attack used, that didn't happen, that that was a lie. The person telling us that lie just this last January on national public radio was none other than Susan Rice. What is your response to the revelation that Susan Rice assured America that there were no chemical weapons in Syria, but there indeed were? Well, she also told us that um, Benghazi was the result of a video uh, you know, this is uh, she's always in the middle of uh, every foreign policy disaster. And, you know, she got this one wrong, too. And they, they were, you know, the red line was crossed and Obama did nothing. I always say weakness invites aggression, peace through strength. And that was not done in that case. And then we were assured in the Congress that, oh, but these weapons, chemical weapons have been removed. Uh, obviously, that was not the case. And Sarin is a nerve agent that is highly uh, lethal, um, and they have been producing that for years in violation of this agreement. Um, right. So, I mean, the bottom line is that they, you know they they just didn't they don't respect us. And I think that anything uh, President Trump is going to command respect uh, of the United States around the world, and people will know that they can't get away with this. And if they do, well, it, Congressman, there will be just consequences. Just to drive this point home, do you think Susan Rice was incompetent or do you think she actively misled Congress and the United States on this on this uh, this deal with the Russians to to handle the Syrian stockpile of WMDs? Well, she's not incompetent. She's highly, highly political. And um, we, um, I'm sure we will be looking into this issue as well in our oversight capacity about, you know, the misrepresentations made to Congress that these weapons have been removed. And members, Secretary Kerry uh, testified about this as well uh, and talked about one very small, uh, very small military action, which they never did. I, I think we were essentially it, the whole situation was misrepresented. And it's interesting how she ends up in the middle of 
this masking issue uh, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, and somebody leaked this information, and that, that is a felony. Back um, home in and, Texas, folks, it's Congressman uh, Michael McCall. He is the chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security, Failures of Imagination, the Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland, and How to Thwart Them is the name of the book. Sir, always appreciate the time you carve out for the Salcedo Show. Uh, thanks for having me, as always. 888 That is our phone number. Back in a minute on the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Telling the truth. It's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show. All right, folks, glad you've tuned in. You know, there's some other news out there I, I don't want to ignore, but I I know the big story today is the U.S. dropping missiles on Syria. We talked about Gorsuch. Uh, what about, and we mentioned this a little bit yesterday, the passing of Don Rickles. I, j- I pulled this audio. It's going to be unfortunate to let it go to waste. So I, I just, when, as we're dealing with serious stuff all show long, let's just decompress. It is Friday after all. Let's just grab a listen to the greatness of, of Don Rickles. Nah, I'm not going on. Come back. <laughs> what an evening, Mike. It's so it's good to see you. I didn't know you were still on. Yo, yo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is a good jacket. You come in tomorrow night with cotton candy and you work the corner. <laughs> now, anyway... Uh, can I say something since I've seen you? Please don't. Gotten so old. <laughs> Nineteen years, John. That's right. Don't milk it anymore. Walk away. <laughs> Get out, Wallace. Well, you see. See, I, I, I try to do one show for a long time rather than six or seven like you for a month or two, and then. Whoa! <laughs> that was. Uh, yeah, he was a regular on the Carson show, and I had. And I, I, it wasn't a long meeting. It was probably 20, 25 seconds. I met Don Rickles in San Diego. It, and you know what? I wish I would have taken better note of what exactly he said to me. Because he was, it was some event I was at, some resort out on the, out on the coast. And uh, it, Mr. Rickles was in his room. And, I, and he was coming out of his room. And I said, hey, Don Rickles, how are you? And he, and he said something. Hey, I, it was some, you know, just always up, always on. And... um Again, when he was with Carson, it, it was it was just comedy gold. No, 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 no. When you're that big, you're allowed to turn on a little guy <laughs> who lives in two rooms on Figueroa with a busted accordion. <laughs> Look right in there and let America know you're a millionaire and you don't need him. Right. <laughs> I'm a millionaire. I don't need you. No, don't do that. Don't do that to me. But now we're both happily married. Absolutely. You went through a couple of warm-ups, but... Uh... I want to tell you something as a friend. Really. Yes. With these two lovely Japanese girls, you made a fool of yourself. <laughs> you know you never liked me. What? You never liked me. You liked Newhart better than me. You always did. You're right. 
You finally dragged it out of me, didn't you? <laughs> I'll do the funny Thank stuff. Thank you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do the funny stuff. Shut up. <laughs> that was that was just his timing. It was just once in a generation. Uh, Don Rickles at ninety uh, passed away. It's the Chris Salcedo Show, folks. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. Tim Tebow stepped up to the plate. You guys know who Tim Tebow was. Tim Tebow, uh, professional football player. National Football League. Got Denver Broncos before Peyton Manning into a playoff game. And uh, very mobile quarterback. And was blasted by the sports press for being openly religious, openly God-fearing. Anyway, I've always liked him, Tebow, not only because of the, the, the caliber of man he is, or just, well, actually, yeah, that's the reason why. There are plenty of athletes out there who are great athletes and are terrible human beings. Um, Tim Tebow happens to be an athlete and uh, a good human being. So he steps up to the plate. He's now trying his hand at baseball, the minor leagues, and uh, first up to bat, boom, blast the ball out of the ballpark was a home run. So those are some of the things uh, passing over the Chris Salcedo Show's desk here over the last couple of days. And if, if there had not been a strike on Syria and Bashar al-Assad, uh, we probably would have been talking about this in, 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 in greater length today on the Chris Salcedo Show. Uh, as I said, Gorsuch confirmed and that seems to be, oh, yeah, one more thing. One more thing. You guys know who Sir Michael Caine is. Mr. Caine is getting derided by leftists all over the globe for saying this. I voted for Brexit. I look at it in the final thing, and I tell you what it is with me, is I'd rather be a poor master than a rich servant. He voted for Brexit. And left-wingers who love state control over people's lives are losing their minds. I uh, had made a suggestion on our post on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page that perhaps Sir Michael Caine could, oh, I don't know, uh, teach a thing or two to Sir Patrick Stewart, who seems to be hell-bent on becoming an American citizen so he can spread more leftist anti-freedom garbage over here in the United States. Uh, oh, yes, and I cannot forget this, folks. Now, the theme of the program today, and as a matter of fact, an earlier caller on the show was talking about how it's anything that, that Democrats or liberals do that goes wrong, they never, they never are held accountable. They never blame themselves. Well, you'll be happy to know it's, I think it's a universal thing. Here's Hillary Clinton. Listen to who else she's blaming for her. Now, not herself. There was nothing that she did that was wrong, folks. It's everybody else's fault. Now she's turning on the voters of the United States. Certainly misogyny played a role. I mean, that just has to be admitted. She's saying the reason why she lost was because of misogyny. That the voters of the United States didn't like the idea of a woman in, the, in, in office. No. And I, I, well, I, I disagree. Just not that woman. There are plenty of other women that I would have loved to have seen be president of the United States. I think, I think Carly Fiorina would have been good. 
if it if it was a choice between Carly Fiorina and uh, Hillary Clinton, hands down, Carly Fiorina, hands down, Mrs. Clinton. It wasn't the fact that we didn't want a woman. It was the fact we didn't want you. Because, again, how old are you, lady, and you still can't take responsibility for your own actions? Certainly misogyny played a role. I mean, that just has to be admitted. And why and what the underlying reasons were is what I'm trying to parse out myself. Yeah. Was it misogyny when left-wing zealots chose Barack Obama over you, Hillary Clinton, in the 2008 primary? Is, is that what you're saying? That if voters choose a man over you, that it's misogyny. So you just got through calling not only every vote, voter who voted against you and didn't show up to vote for you in this last election a misogynist, You also accused every single left-wing Democrat liberal who chose Obama over you. You also called them misogynists. Just saying. Telephone numbers, 888-933-93-888-900-3393. More reaction as the United States uh, bombs Syria, takes out an airfield. Senator Ted Cruz weighing in. Coming up next, right here on The Blaze. On the Chris Salcedo Show and your calls as well. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. On Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X. And on the Facebook page, The Chris Salcedo Show. Talk to you in a minute. Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. Before we get back into uh, Cruz, hear his reaction to what was going on and some other sound bites from the reaction to our bombing of Syria. Let's bring on our our contributor, Mary Ramirez. She's been with the program almost since the very beginning. Mary, welcome back to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on this Friday. So uh, I would imagine since this was a surprise, you weren't writing about <laughs> about Syria <laughs> and you weren't writing about what was going on in the Middle East this week. No, I wasn't. In fact, I had something completely different ready to go. And then this happened last night and Sweden happened this morning. And I was like, OK, then <laughs> Yeah, I know. Right. If, um, we haven't even talked about Sweden, folks. Uh, and maybe I did make a, a brief mention of it. Uh, an Al Qaeda esque uh, terrorist esque ISIS esque attack with a using a vehicle plowing into a whole bunch of people. I, I, they have somebody in custody at this point. Uh, not sure if they have confirmed this is the actual person, but that's what's going on in Stockholm, Sweden, a terrorist attack earlier today. So, yeah, Mary, first off, we'll, we'll get to the, the, the context of your uh, or the content of your piece toward the end here when you and I are talking. But let's let's first off deal with the big story. The United States uh, lets 59 uh, Tomahawk missiles fly, striking Bashar al-Assad as an American. How do you feel getting up this morning? 
Well, you know, I was I was talking to my dad about it this morning. Actually, I was I was uh, you know I just called him to ask him what he thought, and he goes, you know, I've got just just one problem with it. And I said, okay. And you said, Mr. Trump, fifty nine. Just 59. <laughs> I know. And, <laughs> and I laugh, you know, and, and really that, that sums up my feelings about it too. I mean, I, I, of course, when I heard this, my feelings are somewhat mixed because, you know, I, I'm an American and I'm concerned about our future. I'm concerned about the bad actors in the world. I'm a military family. I've got active duty military in the family. So a, an international conflict uh, affects me personally. Um, you know, but this is, you know, because we're not dealing with, with, with Assad, we're not just dealing with some two-bit two bit dictator, you know, in the middle of, of some desert. You're dealing with proxy wars with Russia and Iran and all these other players in the world that just make this so much of a more dangerous situation. So, of course, you know, I'm a little concerned, like, okay, all right, we're doing this. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with what we did because not only does this set a distinct tone um, for this administration and a, a, a red line in the sand, if you will, pardon the the illustration, but a red line between the last administration's capitulation to these two-bit dictators around the world and this administration's reactions to them. And, and I saw, you know, this is not just us. This is not just us deciding well, that. Well, gosh, you know, there's a human, there's a humanitarian uh, uh, conflict or crisis somewhere. We got to go do something about it. This is this is different than that. And there's a tweet I saw last night, and I wrote it down because I thought it really summed up very well. Um, this person, it's uh, Charlie. Car- I can't talk today. Charlie Kirk. He said, if crazy maniac killers are allowed to normalize the use of chemical warfare, millions will die. The line must be drawn. And he's right, because we're not just dealing with a dictator's bad treatment of his people, which is horrendous in and of itself, of course. But we're dealing with chemical weapons. That's 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 a whole nother game. Well, it's not not a whole it's it's it goes a little bit bigger. It's a bigger outlook. Somebody pushed back to me today on Twitter. Say, you know, when I was taking issue with Rand Paul and, you know, would you call this peace dropping bombs? No, I'm, I'm not calling it peace. What I'm <laughs> no. what I'm calling it is that humanity, hum, human beings across the globe have said, you know, chemical weapons and biological weapons, we yep. ought not be using those because you can't. Mm-hmm. Unlike a bullet, unlike a missile, un, you know, you can't direct that toward a particular target. It's it kills indiscriminately. Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. This is this is something on a completely different level. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like what happened last night with this pinpoint, very decisive, very calculated strike was akin to sort of and I don't mean to trivialize this, but, you know, you know, that look your mom would give you if you were doing something wrong. And it was like this piercing dead. You know, you're, you are dead when we get home. Look, the dagger. Yes, exactly. The daggers. Look. You know, that was like the, the pre-punishment look, right? That was the don't you dare take one more step look. That's what happened last night. This was not war. This is not an invasion. We're not occupying Syria. This was, hey, no. Knock not it off. Do this anymore. Knock exactly. it off. You know, so where were you I'm, in 1986? <laughs> not born. You were not even born. <laughs> uh, Muammar Gaddafi, who was the right. dictator that you probably know, was the, the 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 leader of. He was not the Muammar Gaddafi that you knew after Bush had invaded Iraq, right? Who was cooperating with the United States back then? He mm-hmm. was a chief sponsor of terrorism. Was responsible. Had a lot of American blood on his hands, right? So Ronald Reagan ordered some some missile strikes. Took out uh, some of his infrastructure. <laughs> took out his compound. Took out his daughter. Right. Now, did we go to mm-hmm. war with no. Libya? No, we did not. When no. when uh, Bill Clinton lobbed a couple of cruise missiles over into the Sudan and destroyed an Aspen factory, again, probably before your time in the 1990s, 
Um, do we go to war with the Sudan? No. Now, no. now Clinton did that to distract from his Monica Lewinsky problems. Well, it, right, in truth. <laughs> but but do we go to war? No. No. So th- this, uh, this antiquated notion, not even antiquated is not the word I'm looking for, this absurd notion that America cannot act on the world stage when some of these despots and right. dictators step out of line without risking war is, I'm sorry, a liberal fallacy, and we, we, need, to, we need to abandon this. No, I absolutely agree, because that weakens us. It really does tie our hands, because we, we do have the ability and the responsibility to, to nip this in the bud where we can. Because look at, the, look at what happened with Obama. I mean, right. there, there, were several, there were several chemical attacks on, on, his, on his watch. You mm-hmm. had Russia invading Ukraine, stealing the land. You had the Chinese militarizing the South China Sea. So <laughs> there, there is a point, and in, in, in to the, 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 the guy that, that reached out to me and said, you know, what are you, is this peace? You know what? Oh, the, come on. the alternative is if you, if you adopt the Obama way of doing things, meaning there's nothing you ever respond to, then basically you might as well just say, hey, every bad actor and every despot and dictator, it's you have your way. And you know what? This was our attitude. Back in right. the 1940s. Right. Remember? Exactly. Oh, this Neville, is yeah. Hitler is Europe's Neville. problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well they never chamber like, peace in our, ta- you know, peace uh, in our yeah. day. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Americans before Pearl Harbor were, oh, come on, this is Europe's problem. We don't want to get involved. It, exactly. And, and guess what? It cost us dearly to remedy that way of thinking. Exactly right. This is so much bigger than just a, a regional conflict and a civil war. I, I get that. You know, it, it, that's not what this is. This is something that has the potential to affect the globe. We're dealing with so much more than just Bashar al-Assad and his right. people. And, and, and this how, has the potential to go so much farther. And, and what do these liberals want to do? Oh, oh, yo, you know what? Any despot and dictator, just use chemical weapons. Go ahead and use bioweapons. You know, we're not going to stand in the way because we don't want to go to war. <laughs> right. <laughs> really? Exactly. Okay. All right. right. Okay. Let's talk about your <laughs> let's talk about your uh, your piece this week. What did you offer? Well, I. <laughs> I wrote about immigration before wow. all this wow. all this happened. Yes. Yeah. Slightly slightly different, but I I wrote a piece on immigration because of um something I actually shared with you too, a family member of mine who was expressing some concern about coming to visit us and um because she's been fed all sorts of lies by the likes of Jorge Ramos and his ilk that, you know, Donald Trump has instituted some sort of, you know, Nazi-esque, <laughs> you know, treatment of all people Mexican. Really? <laughs> so, it's just, you know, and I and I just got me thinking that we always have, we, collective we in the United States, have conversations about legal and, and illegal, chiefly, immigration on the basis of these narratives that are just sort of accepted. You know, Jorge Ramos runs around and says, well, illegal immigrants commit less crime than citizens. And, and, well, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Well, right. Besides the fact that that is a moot point, because those are 100%, I'm sorry, 100% preventable crimes, as mm-hmm. you and I have discussed. As I illustrate in my piece, there's several states who bear quite a burden of the illegal immigration population where that is not true. That is demonstrably not true that illegal aliens, in fact, do commit more crime than citizens, as illustrated by by figures in prison. You know, so I I wanted to have a conversation about these narratives because we can't have a, a, a healthy and productive debate about what to do relative to the legal immigration problem and what to do relative to the legal immigration uh, system that we have that's badly in need of reform. We can't have that conversation until these narratives are finally ditched. So that's that's the point of the well, piece that's, this week. Well, Obviously, that's the whole point why the narratives exist, because they don't want well, the honest right. conversation to happen, right? 
Well, that's exactly right. Yeah, because if the honest conversation happens, these special interests, and you know the Jorge Ramoses of the world, and there are plenty of other left-wing, uh, leftist Latinos oh, out there who want right. illegal immigrants, in particular from Spanish-speaking countries, to permeate the United States on the hope that one day they can build a political coalition, a majority out and of that's them. it right there. If I can interrupt, that is it right there, Chris, because it is not about being afraid of brown people nope. or people who don't look like us. It is about people who are importing an ideology that stands in stark contrast to what we stand for. People who do not want to assimilate, but As instead a, yeah. want to bring the same crap that their countries are suffering <laughs> Ooh, from up here. Salty. Well, <laughs> salty language. When the shoe fits, I'm sorry. Mary, yeah, when the crap fits. Mary Ramirez, everybody hey, here on the Crystal. Hey, Chris, hey, hey, hey I, what? I, I, I seem to remember you made a crap sandwich on television at some point a few years ago, so we I'm, don't, I'm just saying. We don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> Mary Ramirez, everybody, she is up. Uh, make sure you go. By the way, where where is the piece up this week? Hey, Chris, it's up on my blog, futurefree.com, and I will tweet it out right after this segment. Roger that. Have a great weekend, lady. Appreciate you being here. Thanks. All right. Telephone numbers, 888-933-93, Ted Cruz wraps up the show on The Blaze. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Syria is, is a humanitarian disaster. It, it, it is a total mess. And, and, and the honest answer is there's no good answer to Syria right now. And after eight years of Obama broken red lines and, and, and weakness, uh, we've seen Syria turned into a war zone that has resulted in hundreds of thousands of, of refugees, of chemical weapons. It is a bad situation. Uh, that being said, the authority to declare war under the Constitution is given to Congress. Now, the Commander-in-Chief acted last night, uh, and I look forward to President Trump making the case to the American people, making the case to, to Congress about what further military action should be taken, if any. You know, If any. And, and that's the military action is permissible. When it, when it is a response, especially under the War Powers Act, as a matter of fact, a sitting president has the ability to, to deploy troops, I believe the time limit is 60 days, without approval from Congress. And that is to give some nimbleness in America's ability to respond to situations just like this. Now, the War Powers Act was completely useless with President Obama in office. Again, nothing could have happened that would have prompted uh, Mr. Obama to act. No amount of depravity, no genocide, no, uh, as we saw with the Yazidis, uh, no uh, atrocity was enough to make Mr. Obama act because he believed the only atrocity that was worth curtailing was America because he was decidedly anti-American. General Jack Keane, to all you libs out there and all you Democrats who are navel-gazing and, and peeing yourselves over the fact that, uh, oh, it's war, it's war. It's not war, but this action may have given 
diplomacy a much needed shot in the arm. Listen to General Jack Keane explain to Fox. Well, a couple of things have happened as a result of this. First of all, remember, diplomatic action uh, can be very credible and influential when the threat of the use of military force is credible. Now, under Obama, everybody knew. Dictator, despot, and friend alike. Friend and foe alike. They all knew that Barack, there was nothing Barack Obama would do. Nothing. So, Mr. Obama's, let me be clear, you cross a red line, What? A, everybody knew he was full of it. They knew he didn't believe in the the notion that America could be a force for good in the world. So there was no credible use of force on the table. Now, President Trump just established that credibility. So we have discussions going on with President Xi. And now he has to deal with the reality when President Trump says to him, listen, you're forcing me into a corner here. If, if we don't denuclearize North Korea, I may in fact have to use a military option. Well, that is now a very credible statement. Yeah. I mean, when the, if the crazy fat kid, if you can't rein in the crazy fat kid, China, then you're going to have America in your backyard. Which gives our diplomats more leverage to accomplish what they're trying to achieve politically. This is good news. With Putin, Tillerson has leverage going into his discussions with him uh, last week that he didn't have the previous week. And that's because of this strike tonight and the credibility of the President of the United States who is not going to stand for any thugger killer in the world using WMD becoming the new normal in the world. And that gives us leverage. Lots of leverage. You know, I, I cannot help but wonder. So many left-wingers and so many liberals in and out of the basket of biased press had sold Donald Trump short. I'll never be the, the GOP nominee. Oh, he'll never be president. Oh, you know, Brian Williams out there saying, oh, now now he's getting this first taste of what it is to be president. Well, do you think that left wingers like Vladimir Putin and Xi also underestimated Donald Trump? It's looking like they may have. Remember, everybody, a society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by an out of control government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have yourselves a great weekend, folks. We'll see you back here Monday. Three o'clock in the afternoon Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.